It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to This Week in the Big East. It's episode nine of our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and stories from the schools in the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara, and we have... A winner. Providence has clinched the regular season championship of the Big East for the first time in the league's 43-year history with a win this past Saturday against Creighton. Congratulations to Ed Cooley and the Friars for having a team that, well, some have called lucky. Still others have called tenacious or experienced or resourceful. Villanova may have sent the message this week, however, that the league still runs through the main line after a Tuesday night home win against those Friars. So, kind of sets us all up for some intrigue next week in New York, doesn't it, Kev? It sure does, John. Sign me up for number three, Providence and Villanova, round three, I should say. That would be outstanding. I think both Villanova fans and Providence fans would welcome it. Uh, Certainly, congratulations to Ed Cooley and the entire Providence program. A great achievement for the Friars. But there's so much going on in the league right now, John. The jockeying that you referred to is intense. And it's not just at the top. It's at the middle. It's even at the bottom. You know, teams like DePaul, teams like uh, Xavier, teams like Creighton, they're all going in different directions, but all pointed toward a big week at the Big East Tournament. All right, let's take a look now and check in with this week's Big East headlines. Providence wins the regular season title and the top seed for the 40th Big East Tournament at Madison Square Garden. Villanova is the two seed. But we'll need Saturday's games to officially settle the rest of next week's slate that starts Wednesday with a triple header at the world's most famous arena. That's because the middle of the pack has just muddled itself up through midweek. Xavier's postseason chances are shaken after a fifth straight loss. Seton Hall struggled mightily with Georgetown as the Pirates try to pick up some momentum. St. John's still harbors a little hope and can make a statement with a closing win Saturday at Marquette. UConn and Creighton staged a battle in Omaha that had the Blue Jays up most of the way, holding off the Huskies at the end to keep Connecticut from just yet clinching that third seed. The Jays hold a tiebreaker as well, and should they beat Seton Hall Saturday, Creighton would get the three. Marquette holds the tiebreaker over Seton Hall for the five spot and the final first round bye. Three Big East teams ranked again this week in the Associated Press Top 25. Providence, Villanova, UConn are the reps, with Marquette, Creighton, Xavier, and Seton Hall still receiving votes in one poll or the other. NCAA net ranking, six Big East teams remain ranked in the top 36, seven in the top 66, eight placed in the top 74 nationally at midweek. Kev, there's some slippage by a couple of these teams. You mentioned it a couple of moments ago. Question now has to be, have they slipped enough to necessitate having to do some damage in the postseason tournament next week for the dance invite to arrive in the mail? Well, I'm certainly concerned about Xavier, John. Uh, Five losses in a row, several really, really close overtime games, really difficult for Travis Steele's group. They end at home against Georgetown. That's a must win. They cannot afford a, quote, bad loss. And then if they really want to cement their chances, win a game in New York and be a little more confident on Selection Sunday. Xavier may be headed for that 8-9 game pending again this weekend's play, which means then after they play a Wednesday night game, they get Providence in the next round. And I'm not sure that that triple overtime loss that they severed to the Friars uh, in Providence didn't kind of sap some of the strength out of what they had left. 
Well, it's possible you can spin it a couple of ways, John. If I'm Xavier and I can get by most likely Butler in that 8-9 game, difficult game, by the way. You know, I lost to Providence twice, once, as you said, in triple overtime, the other on a last-second three-pointer. I would have an awful lot of confidence if I'm Xavier playing against Providence, but certainly a tough spot. They have to defend home court and take care of Georgetown. Hey, thank you to our Westwood One affiliate stations for being with us all this season. Thanks for catching us on Sirius XM, if that's where you are. And thank you for listening on your favorite podcast site. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review if you've got a moment. Thanks to all of our podcast partners. For more on that podcast, you can visit our website, www.twitby.buzzsprout.com. And of course, you can always listen to the shows online, westwoodonesports.com and on bigeast.com. Inside episode nine this week with the Big East Tournament looming in our immediate future, we'll get a state of the state with the 40th anniversary event from Commissioner Val Ackerman, who also became a basketball Hall of Famer with Villanova's Jay Wright earlier this past season. A former Big East coach who provides his insight on the national level, checks in with his thoughts on the stretch run and an emerging shooting star emphasis on that shooting part may not be through scoring a few surprises before the year concludes. DePaul's Javon Freeman Liberty joins us next. This Week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. Big East Spotlight. Freeman Liberty trying to attack off the bounce, and he does. Freeman Liberty's a little bit more quiet by nature. But there are multiple ways you can lead. He's got a chance to get 20 points here in the first half. Under a minute to play. Here in half number one, the ball by four. Shot clock winding down. Freeman Liberty. A big put up and a bank. And welcome back to this week in the Big East. Now, some of the more established stars and players in this league you've probably, you're already probably somewhat familiar with. Jared Roden, Nate Watson, Julian Champagny, Colin Gillespie, that just names a few. But none of these players leads the Big East in scoring this season. The guy with us now leads the Big East in scoring, Javon Freeman Liberty, averaging nearly 22 points per game for the DePaul Blue Demons. He joins us this week in the Big East. Now, Javon, I sure, first of all, appreciate your joining us, but you're a guy who has surely seen his share of change throughout your college career. You transferred to DePaul as you did. Then your team changed coaches after a year. And then, oh, yeah, you had to fight through some injury this season as well. So how have these last couple of months changed you as a player? Um, I can say uh, it changed me a lot. Uh, I can start by saying, like, trusting the process. Um, I know, you like you said, I uh, transferred schools. And then when I came to DePaul, I uh, transferred coaches. Uh, so I'll just say just instead of process, Keep being positive. Don't let the negatives come in between me. And just keep going. Keep doing what I love to do. Hey, John, you talk about change. Uh, Javon, he, he has a secret weapon at halftime. He likes to change <laughs> change his shoes. Now, yeah. most people might might maybe take a quick shower or, or whatnot. Javon, I understand after maybe a shaky first half, you let, you have a favorite pair of shoes that you might want to throw on, and it's worked. Uh, yes, yeah, uh, the Kobe's, the Grinch's. <laughs> so you guys, so so these are these are green shoes, right? Yeah. <laughs> what 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 makes them special? You think? I really don't know. It's just like they're always like my go-to shoes. If the first pair of shoes not working out, uh, I know I do well in those all the time. So, well, for instance, uh, just uh, Wednesday night, you had what seventeen second half points in those shoes. Out of your yeah. 26 that you scored. So there's got to be some kind of a, a secret. Are you sort of, uh, you know, feeling uh, Kobe's influence on these things or what? 
uh, maybe, maybe. Nah, uh, those shoes are the most comfortable for me. And like I said, the first shoes not working for me, I just instantly go back to my go-to, the Grinch Kobe's. Now, now, Javon, is there any chance that you play a whole game with with those shoes in New York City? Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, as they say it, it's in the shoes simple as that but right. it's really in your game I, I look at your last four games 26 39 25 22 what's going right for DePaul and yourself here in the last uh, couple weeks of the season uh like I said we're all just buying in uh you know my coach and my uh team trust me well enough to like put the ball in my hands and make plays and then I love them for that. I can't thank them enough for that. Um, uh, all we'd have to do is just keep uh, playing how we play now. So how has Coach Doublefield come in and changed things with you guys? And was it a – do you think it was always a smooth or an easy transition, or were there some growing pains that you had to kind of go through in order to learn how to adapt to each other? Uh, definitely with some growing pains. But uh, during that summer, when they made the, like, uh, change, me and – actually, me and Coach Bills got really close. Um, you know, us just talking every day, uh, you know, doing the summer workouts, practicing, all that. Well, I love him. That's like the energy guy for us, man. It's like energy spur for us, seeing him scream, yell, clap his hands. We all love him. Javon, just look at the scores of your games this year. You've won some really tight ones and lost some really tight ones. Pretty much everyone in the Big East has the same deal. But how is it to go through those those stress-filled, you know, last couple of minutes as the marked man by opposing defenses. I know that now those like those times, I wish we'd get back. But at the same time, those times he wasn't doing stuff for us to win those games at that time. Um, but I know for sure, uh, since we have the momentum right now, we definitely will be able to do the things that our coach is telling us to do uh, towards the end of that game to know to win. So I want you to go back for just a minute. Javon Freeman, Liberty from DePaul, uh, joining us this week in the Big East. I want you to go back to a minute. When you're making the decision to move on in your college career, what was it about DePaul that maybe you decided, hey, this is where I need to go, this is where I need to be, and maybe this is where I can improve my game the best? Uh, you know, just being home, being from Chicago, that yeah. was one thing about it. Um, I know I was going to get this. Uh, my family and friends going to get to come to every home game. Um, and another was the conference. Uh, this is a big conference. I know I would play a top 25 team every single night, no matter who they was. Uh, and I knew they was going to bring out the best of me. Uh, Javon, kind of following up on John's question there, forever we've talked about DePaul and its potential because it is in Chicago and is just a great school with great tradition. As a Chicago kid, if you were on maybe Coach Stubbs' staff and said, hey, I stayed in Chicago, what would you tell the next – you know, wave of Chicago high school kids that DePaul, DePaul's a good fit. Just tell them that, like how you said, it would be a great fit, especially being from Chicago. You have your family and friends. I'll emphasize that the most uh, about the support system, you know, having your families, uh, family and friends every night. And I would then just emphasize, like, how great the coaching staff is, you know, just having me and then Coach Phil out there, that energy guy. All right, you guys uh, obviously, you know, have to close out this weekend and then you'll head to New York. I, I just, you know, in all honesty, because you've gotten a chance to spend a couple of years at DePaul, you're probably just now kind of getting familiar with some of the other teams, the other places that you have to play, some of the other athletes on the other teams as well. And so uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing that because of the, the entire COVID experience over the last couple of years, you're probably happy that you've got a more normal playing experience this season. What has impressed you about 
the other players and maybe some of the other places that you've played? And do you have uh, favorite guys to go against or favorite places to play? No, I don't really have a favorite place to play. I want to say that all of them are my favorite place to play. Uh, but I could just say, like, their fan, their fan base. It's it's, it's real crazy once you go uh, to, like, a opponent's other school. Like, they're crazy. And the noise <laughs> will never stop. <laughs> That's you for know, all biggie school. We, we've we've kind of discovered that as well. They do get a little passionate at times. What's the craziest thing that you've heard said to you that you can repeat here? <laughs> oh man, I think when we uh, we played Providence, uh, some fans they was like, "Yeah, Javon, you didn't want to play us. You were scared. You were scared." I'm like, "Oh man." <laughs> Something hey. else, but you're not too scared about much. No, not at all. <laughs> hey, John, Javon's one of the few stars in the Big East who has never played at Madison Square Garden. I believe, Javon, right? You've never played there? Uh, last year was my first time playing there. Um, last year. I'm, I'm sorry for sure in the Big East tournament last year. You know, I'll say that last year wasn't a, quote, real Big East tournament because the fans right. and the media weren't right. there. Uh, how excited are you to experience that at full bore next week? Uh, really excited, especially you know, now. COVID's kind of dying down. We're having, like, um, a lot of friends coming out again and support us and stuff like that. Um, and I know it'll be much better. You guys have to take care of a couple of things, or at least one big thing this weekend before you get to New York. you got to go on the road to play UConn. UConn uh, uh, got knocked off early this week as well, so I'm sure they're going to be hurting. But at the same time, you know what? Uh, sometimes, I guess I've seen guys and I've seen players and teams play their best ball when there's really no pressure on them. How much pressure is on you guys right now? Um, I can say no pressure at all. Um, and I say that only because I'll buy and keep doing what we're doing. Uh, we, it should be no problem for us to not win. Yeah, always appreciate the visit. Thanks to Big East scoring leader, DePaul's Javon Freeman Liberty. Who's hot at just the right time? We highlight the Big East players of the week, the players to watch, and we'll get a blast from the past next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East. Who's hot? Here comes Durham down the lane, bounces, leaves it, and a stuff for Watson. How about the pass by Durham off the dribble right there? Looked like he's going to take the float, and he throws a little look away bounce pass. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Players of the Week, the honor roll. Well, we just talked to the Player of the Week, Kev. Javon Freeman, Liberty from DePaul. All he did was average 32 points and seven and a half rebounds and three and a half steals in a perfect week. And then when you couple that with Wednesday's win this week, hey, the Blue Demons have won three straight. John, he's a scary player. You know, you think about it, you get him on a neutral court in New York. Who knows what the crowd's like, especially in that Thursday night game. Might be just knocking around a little bit. He can drop 30 on you, and that'll be big trouble for the opponent. I think he has already done that already this year, right? Freshman of the week is a name that we've mentioned before. It's Trey Alexander from Creighton, who averaged 13 points, five rebounds, four assists in a one-in-one week. The Blue Jays scored all of a collegiate high 16 in the second half of a win at St. John's as well. And Alexander getting a lot of extra time, largely because of the injury to fellow freshman Ryan Nemhart. Yeah, you know, Creighton's been one of the surprises, not only the Big East, but of the country. I, I think they're certainly an NCAA tournament team, especially after their home win over Connecticut. Just great experience for a player like Trey Alexander uh, in his first college season. Rising star in the Big East for sure. 
Right, if you're looking for some hot hands, potentially not only to carry their teams through this last weekend of the regular season, but maybe into to New York next week. How about let's consider the guys on the honor roll this week in the Big East. First of all, R.J. Cole from UConn, 15 points uh, per game before uh, they lost on Wednesday. And, and I got to tell you, when it comes to big shots and making plays at the end, Cole is the guy that Danny Hurley wants to basically dial up. It's funny you say that, uh, John, because I've gone back and forth with some media members from Connecticut who should have the ball late for UConn because there's a few different guys who are candidates there. Looks like RJ is going to be that guy down the stretch here in March. Player that we talked to earlier this year that we love his game overall is Ryan Hawkins from Creighton. He had two double-doubles in a one-in-one week, and then, of course, Creighton knocked off UConn earlier this week. 17.5 points and 11 rebounds in those two games. Daryl Morsell from Marquette had a team-high 16 points with four rebounds in a win for the uh, Golden Eagles over Butler this past week. A.J. Reeves from Providence. You know, um, Reeves has been maligned a little bit up and down because there was so much expected of him before he arrived uh, into Providence. But I got to tell you what, the way he had his shot moving this last week, 19.5 points, shot 12 of 18 from three, um, and then he had another, what, five, six threes, I think, against Villanova earlier this week. He is definitely feeling it right now. John, you know, they talk about X factors. Uh, A.J. Reeves is an X factor for the Friars. When he shoots the ball well from the three-point line with confidence, with bounce, he made some really difficult shots in those last three games that you're referring to with uh, like 17 threes in those three games. I don't think he can keep that up, but if he can be a 3-3, 3 pointer a game guy, the Friars are really going to be at that extra special level. And the final guy on the honor roll this week was, again, another guest of this program, Jared Roden from Seton Hall, who averaged 23 and a half points and four and a half rebounds and a couple of wins for the Pirates. Funny, Kev, how we seem to just, you know, maybe it's the, the Twitby, uh, you know, like the Sports Illustrated cover curse, except it's not exactly a curse. You appear on this show and you, you, you light yourself on fire, you know? I think I'd really like to be Javon Freeman Liberty. You know, the, the, the last guest on, on Twitby before the Big East tournament. Watch out for DePaul. Our Big East blast from the past this week, celebrating 40 years of great moments inside Madison Square Garden at the Big East tournament, turns back the clock just a little, just four years ago, 2018. But it was a game both teams' fans still recall quite easily for very different reasons. And he gets both. 5.7 to go. Xavier, no timeouts. Down. 75-72, blew it, back to Gooden, Gooden, looking, can't take it and get it off the time, and that's it, the Providence Friars climb the mountain, after being down by 17, they come back and win it in overtime. Xavier was the conference regular season champ, beat ninth-seeded St. John's in the quarters. Providence was seeded fifth, needed overtime to get by number four Creighton in the quarters. Then the two met in the first Friday semifinal, and it was all Musketeers at one point. They led by 17 in the second half. But then those Friars, led by Kyron Cartwright, Alpha Diallo, Rodney Bullock, they staged a furious comeback with Diallo tying the game with just over two minutes to play in regulation. And then after the teams exchanged free throws, it looked like J.P. Makura had a winner on the way until Bullock got a big block to force the overtime. And then that extra five minutes after P.C. missed a layup, Makura took off, drove the length of the garden floor with 12 seconds left, and... Cartwright stepped in to take a huge charge on the play at the end, and he hit the game-winning free throws with seven seconds left. That was quite the finish that night. 
It certainly was, John. And, you know, sign me up for overtime games on that Friday night. I, I love the championship game, the Saturday night at Madison Square Garden. It's, it's great drama, great theater. But the doubleheader, the Friday doubleheader, throwing in overtime, I do remember that Xavier Providence game really, really well. Kyron Cartwright stole the show in my eyes. But sign me up for one of those, John. Hey, uh, no overtimes on Thursday, but two overtimes on Friday. I think we'd sign up for that, right? There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can be a part of great memories like these. Single session tickets on sale for the 40th anniversary of the Big East Tournament at Madison Square Garden takes place next week, March 9th through the 12th. Ticketmaster.com, the place to go. We could get another game or two like that one next week. Overall, we've already had a few like it this season. Best of all, we've had a fairly normal season, give or take a few bumps along the road. Big East Commissioner Val Ackerman joins us to talk about it next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. Big East Focus. Tyler gives a little bit of bounce to Cole between the ring straight away. Slips, regains it, fires down low to Sonogo. Oh, and he jumped it in. And he's fouled. Oh, Adama blowing the six-gun salute to the UConn student body. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. And as we've been talking about each week this season, this year marks the 40th anniversary of the Big East Conference, staging its men's basketball tournament at the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden in New York. Some unbelievable memories and moments created, they still continue to be, by the coaches and the athletes. And it's a postseason tradition like no other, as long as Augusta, Georgia will allow me to borrow that phrase. Commissioner Val Ackerman took the reins from her predecessors, continues to lead the 11 schools into whatever the future may hold. And she joins us this week in the Big East. Val, first of all, congrats on a great season again. And there's so much we can jump into, but I wanted to start simply with resuming some sense of normalcy. The anniversary of the tournament at the Garden and then the return of fans to the arena. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. John, first great being with you and Kevin both. Um, I, I, I think that theme is, is really uh, – the sort of headline here for us, the return to what has been, for the most part, a normal season. We, of course, had the interruption beginning in uh, mid-December with the uh, Omicron outbreak that took down several of our teams, caused some cancellations, um, mostly rescheduling. But as it relates to the uh, tournament, to your point, we're, um, we're really excited about the 40th year at MSG. Um, and the return of um, the incredible fans um, who have made helped make the Big East tournament such a an amazing and memorable event for so many years. Uh, right now, we're looking really good uh, for the operation. Um, New York, in fact, is uh, in the process of lifting some additional restrictions that will affect um, uh, entry policies. So uh, right now, it, it just sort of looks like it's going to be a Big East tournament of old, and, and all of us are, are really thrilled about that. That is the best news I've heard in months, Fell. <laughs> and I tell you, living in New England with uh, the excitement in Providence and the excitement of UConn, uh, have you noticed, has the office noticed maybe an extra you know, juice in the tickets, in the corporate suites, et cetera. Have you noticed just extra excitement about returning after two years of darkness? Well, I, I will say it, it was pretty good in 2019, Kevin, when, you know, the last time we had a Big East tournament at the Garden that was um, non-disrupted. And so we are tracking um, a, a, a bit ahead of where we were in 2019. We've got right now, I think 95% of our tickets are sold. Typically, we move our last um, set of tickets in the days leading up to the tournament when fans see where their teams are playing. It just, they kind of hold out to the last minute. They see what session 
um, you know, their, their team will be playing in. And so that usually contributes to that last surge. But I, to your point about UConn, I, I would say, yeah, I mean, UConn fans, I think will be returning in full force from everything that we're, um, we're hearing. And, um, you know, with every reason to cheer this year, because of course they've had a, a, an NCAA tournament worthy season to date. So I think that's going to add yet another layer of excitement to the, to what's already been a great event. Let's also uh, add here, Val, uh, your thoughts on how you've seen the play sort of unfold, at least on the men's side. I know you've got the women's tournament getting ready to get started as well. Uh, but as far as the men are concerned, uh, any surprises uh, in your realm of the world uh, to see uh, Providence do as well as they have done in winning the regular season title? John, it was funny, you know, back on media day, back in October, I remember asking um, Stu Jackson, who oversees men's basketball for us, you know, what he sort of made of um, various schools prospects this year. And, mm-hmm. and we had a conversation about it and we both agreed. We, we weren't sure <laughs> um, what to make of our teams this year, in part because of the roster turnover right. um, that's been, uh, you know, fueled by the transfer portal and some developments around um, changes for various teams. And, and Providence was one of those teams that we just didn't know what to expect because of all the changes and, um, you know, the returnees versus players who weren't, weren't there anymore. So I would say that just generally the, the, you know, the season has been not anything that we would have expected uh, back in October. Um, it, you know, it's been exciting to see uh, Coach Smart and Coach Stubblefield um, in different ways uh, making their mark um, on, on their teams, you know, pretty quickly. And then to, to Coach Cooley and your question there, I mean, what, what an amazing performance just generally by the Friars. I mean, everything from the way the team has played to how Friartown has embraced um, this team with the great run they're on. And I can't tell you how happy we are for Bob Driscoll at Providence, who's announced, um, as you all know, his retirement. And so what a way for him to go out there. Um, what a way for Steve Napolillo, his successor to, you know, come on board. Right. So um, a, a really exciting year. And hopefully we'll see, you know, seven Big East names called when uh, Selection Sunday hits in a few weeks. Now, one program that you guys ran to honor a Black History Month in February was the Black Fives. And it's funny, I, I consider myself a basketball person, a basketball historian. I had never heard of the Black Fives. So I applaud the Big East for for putting the spotlight there. How do you think that program unfolded for you? Really well, Kevin. Um, this was um, an initiative that Stu uh, helped um, you know, sort of uncover for us. Uh, Claude Johnson, who runs the Black Fives Foundation, was a former NBA executive and, and I think overlap with both Stu and me at the NBA. But he um, came to know about this era in basketball, uh, now known as the Black Fives era, where there were teams of uh, Black players, this is before the sport was integrated, who were traveling around the country, playing very high-level games, um, sort of wherever they could find a gym. Um, And it turned out we're playing in a lot of Big East markets. Hmm. And so we saw the opportunity to line up with, um, you know, with this history, to promote it, to recognize it in concert with our men's and women's basketball teams in the month of February and had what what we thought was a very, very successful um, initiative here that um, opened a lot of people's eyes, was a great learning experience for our student athletes. And frankly, hopefully it's something that we can memorialize and institutionalize going forward because, you know, this history just sort of not only needs to be told, but it needs to be retold. So hopefully we can contribute it in a constructive way to that. 
Right, exactly. Like Kevin just said, I didn't really have any knowledge of this, and to learn this as we've gone along has actually been quite enlightening, and I'm, and I'm glad that it was brought to the forefront. Val Ackerman, the commissioner of the Big East, joining us here this week in the Big East. Uh, Val, you, you uh, mentioned briefly, we mentioned briefly that the women's tournament is also starting this weekend and, and getting underway, so this is the time of year when you're juggling a lot of different balls in the air, so to speak, and I know as far as UConn is concerned, they have one big piece of their puzzle back in their lineup that might make a difference for the Huskies. You know, that is the one and only only Paige Beckers. Uh, right. I think John is who you're talking about. And yep, yes, yep. I, I know it, it was a big story when she came back uh, late last week, rejoined the team after nearly three month absence due to a, a knee injury back in December that led to a surgery and a long recovery period. Um, so I know uh, they're, they're thrilled to get her back on the court. Uh, she will be playing in our Big East women's tournament that's coming up. And then um, the, the Huskies are hoping that uh, she can sort of get back on track quickly and enhance their NCAA tournament prospects uh, once uh, March Madness hits for, for the women in mid, mid-March. So that's certainly a big story. And, um, you know, she's uh, obviously a great talent with a, a great future ahead in basketball. It's too bad she's missed such a big chunk of the season. But as you know, you sometimes hear it's better late than never. And that's um, that's certainly the mindset, I think, for the Huskies as they go into our Big East tournament at Mohegan Sun Arena in a few days. You know, Val, we could probably do a half hour show or an hour show on <laughs> Easily. what you've been doing uh, with the NCAA uh, name, image and likeness. I know that you've just been through an NCAA convention. You could summarize everything in maybe two, three minutes and where we are going forward. Uh, I'm just curious, your confidence and that we're finally heading down the right path. Well, I, what I would say, Kevin, is it's a very eventful, you know, moment in time for college sports. There just there seems to be so many complex issues hitting at once now that um, sort of where the future lies. I think it's it would be hard for me or anybody else to say. Um, I think the good news is college sports are are so. Um, so enduring in our country, people care deeply about them and want to see them remain. Um, what's the word? Protected, um, you know, secure. So I think a lot of uh, you know brain power will be devoted to how to make that happen in the coming months and years. Um, we are into some new stuff now with the onset of the name, image, and likeness era, uh, which has opened up um, really unprecedented opportunities for student athletes to bring in some extra income. We're dealing with changes now, as I mentioned earlier, with transfers. Some, you know, important um, sort of inquiries going on now within the NCAA that may have effect ultimately on the structure and composition of Division One. Um, so, uh, more to come on that in the coming months. But um, you know, at least for us at the Big East, we're, you know, we're thrilled to be part of a league that has such a proud history and looks like it has such a bright future. And I, and I am confident that whatever sort of changes continue to unfold in, um, you know, in the, in the NCA generally that the big East will remain on top in the college sports world. And Val, congratulations on the hall of fame. I second oh. that for sure. <laughs> Thank you. Still, uh, still a little bit on cloud nine about that. I'm very happy. I'm, I'm sure you would uh, appreciate my saying for coach Wright as well. How deserving sure. and one coach. Me. So great to have him in the class. Thanks to big East commissioner Val Ackerman for joining us. Is the national perspective of the league changing at all? And how should a team gear itself up for the grind and the attainable glory that lies ahead? Former Providence coach Tim Welsh, now an analyst for ESPN, joins us with his thoughts next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the national perspective. 
the national perspective. And Manaya runs out mid-floor circle to grab it from Bynum. He's going to work a bit to the right side. There's Reeves elevating for three. Oh! <laughs> turn off the lights! Oh, man! He's Somebody turn off the lights! AJ with a big smile going down the floor. Oh, this is awesome to watch when he gets it going. A 10-2 Providence run. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. All right, let's go with this. You're a head coach in this league. Your team has had a successful season, but doesn't quite have its postseason destiny decided. How do you handle the pressure ahead of you and your players, knowing a good showing in New York might likely lead to an NCAA invitation? Former Providence coach, current ESPN analyst Tim Welsh joins us. Tim, I know you're familiar with this situation. Three or four Big East coaches are feeling similarly right about now. What advice do you give them for the next week or so in the basketball season? You know, I think you just have to keep your team, John, focused on the next day. And I think every good coach will tell you that. That you know, obviously, when you shut the doors of your office and, and you're in the room with your coaching staff, you, there might be other things said or, or talked about. But you've got, you've got to just keep getting better. And uh, you can, you can in a week's time, you can tweak something, maybe give your team a little bit something that isn't a drastic change to what you're doing, or maybe a couple new sets or maybe even look at a different lineup here and there. I think you, you might want to change things just a little bit, just to give your team the feeling mentally that the coach is trying to make some adjustments to help us play better than we've been playing if you're struggling. And that's really all you can do. And to shorten your practices, try to keep them mentally fresh because it's a long haul. And the coaches I talk to around the country, uh, you know, that's the first, one of the first things they all say at this time of year, because back in the old days, we started practice, everyone knows, on October 15th. Now, these kids have been together since June. You know, I went to a Providence practice in August, and now, now we're all, all, all the way to March. So you've got to keep – the mental aspect is so important. Keep them fresh, keep them light on their feet, and uh, maybe tweak a couple things to make them feel like you're making a change for the better. So, Tim, you, uh, you had too many Big East tournaments in your career. Uh, with a lot of New Yorkers on your roster – Awful lot of these teams, obviously, same thing when they get to New York next week. How do you deal with the buzz around the Big East tournament? This is such an anticipated Big East tournament after not having fans for the last two years. How do you insulate your team? It's very hard, but, you know, these guys are all professionals. And, I, and if you're successful during the season, your players know what's, what's at stake. And it's no time to to be distracted and you have to make it a business trip. It's, it's hard because the, the outpouring of, of your family and your friends and everybody else, they all congregate to New York to come see you play and they all want tickets, which you don't have enough of. So that, that's a hard part and you got to manage it. And, you know, the thing I look at today with all these staffs is they've got plenty of insulation. They've got right. lots of guys on the staff. And so you got people to handle these things and uh, talk to the players, all the time and you got to make sure you're into the players heads and make sure you're talking to them that this is a business trip if they have some issues if they have some wants you got to make sure you, you try to help them as much as you can because you don't want them taking the floor and thinking about other things so you got to take care of all that stuff before the lights come on former providence coach tim wells joining us this week in the big east All right so you mentioned tim you, you've seen providence practice this year no you've seen probably a handful of teams either practice or play. What's your initial impression of, of the caliber of play, uh, the number of teams that you kind of feel might be tournament worthy? And uh, more importantly, are, do you identify anybody that uh, might be able to make a deep run in the tournament coming up over the next month? Well, first and foremost, I, 
this is the most fun I've had in, in broadcasting it since I started broadcasting in 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. only because of the fact that I think you guys would con- agree is that after having a year with no fans and play, you guys at Alumni Hall doing watching the Providence game with no, no fans and watching them on television with no, no fans, being at the arena and capturing the atmosphere and the energy of college basketball this year, it's been the best I've ever been around. I think because of the fact that we didn't have it last right. year and we didn't have the tournament the year before. So the fans, I think have brought the energy back to the game and that enthusiasm has trickled down to the floor and the in- intensity of these games are at the highest level, whether you're in the big East, you know, watching these Providence games from, I went to, I think three games this year and um, also watched most of them whenever I could. And, and then being at the big 12 games, the, these teams are all really good. They're all really good. And I think what we all know from watching Providence so up and close and, and looking at Villanova and some of the best teams around the country is these teams are all older. You know, they're not kids, and I, which also brings a higher quality, higher level of quality of play. And, you know, when you look around the country, just from the teams that you guys are familiar with from playing Providence, I think Wisconsin's really good. And Providence has a great win at Wisconsin, which is almost unheard of. Wisconsin's had a tremendous season. Johnny Davis, maybe the national player of the year. He's definitely a first-team All-American. Another team you're familiar with, Texas Tech. I've had, I think, five or six times, and they are terrific. They are really good. Uh, They guard you. They've got depth. They've had injuries, but they've played through them this year, and they're a team that absolutely could reach the Final Four as well. I had Arkansas earlier in the year. Uh, they're struggling at times, but they are playing tremendous basketball right now. They've beaten Kentucky, Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU in the last couple of weeks. And that's, mm. as you all know, those teams are really good too. Tennessee is terrific. Rick Barnes got a great team. I would not be surprised to see them in the final four as well. Arizona out West, they're just configured perfectly. They have, they're kind of like Providence in the way that everything fits. All the pieces fit. They have point guard play. They have shooting guards. They have quickness. They have length on the wings, and they've got some size up front, and they can really guard, and they share the basketball. Very similar to Providence, and they're fast, and they're just lightning fast. They get up up and down the court really quickly. Kansas at times uh, has not been as sharp. Some nights when they're shooting the ball, they can beat anybody. When they're not shooting the ball, they, some, they don't have other ways to score. Uh, the, last weekend at Baylor, they struggled down the stretch to get points. Baylor really got up into their guards and caused them problems. Baylor I like as well. Baylor can put three or four good guards out on the floor at once, and they defend the heck out of you. They've got two good freshman forwards. They've had some injuries as well, but they've got enough depth that they could make a run as well. And then, I, you know, I, t- I talked to Ed Cooley. Uh, we went to his practice the day before the first exhibition game, and my eyes were wide open that day. I, I said to Bob Walsh, his assistant, and to Ed, this team's good. You guys are good. And I had never seen really Manaya play. I went to practice in the summer, but I didn't really notice him. But I knew Manaya and Durham were absolutely going to fit in perfectly. And it's nice to see A.J. Reeves come out and have a really good end of the season as well because he's an important player for them. I'm looking forward to the tournament because I think Providence is as good as it gets. And um, hopefully they get a good matchup, which uh, favors them, and they can make a run as well. John, this is why we have to, uh, Coach Welsh on, on the on the show, I think he hit every single league with about three teams per league. But uh, <laughs> t- Tim, I'm curious. The we've always seen over the years the kind of the middle of the Big East always has one team that surprises a little bit. It might have been in the past, you know, a, a Marquette, 
um, you know, a Creighton. Uh, how about middle of some of these other leagues? Maybe the Big 12. Is is Texas, which is I think is seven or eight losses in the Big 12, would they be equipped to make a run? They are, Kevin. I think that they've had some issues with chemistry at times this year. They, they brought in so many transfers, and the transfers they all brought in were all the best players on their team. And some nights it fits, and, and they play well, and some nights it doesn't. I don't think they play as gritty defense as Chris Beard would like, but I do think that they have the talent to, to get there. Now, Trey Mitchell, the outstanding big man, transferred from UMass, left the team a couple of weeks ago. So there's a lot of uncertainty if he will return or not. So that's also a big question. mark. But I would say, you know, looking at the middle of these conferences, the team that I like, is, I like Tennessee. And they're not really in the middle of the SEC. They're one of the top four. But I like them. I think Rick Barnes got a good team that's, good, that's scrappy, that's tough, that can score. They can play a lot of different styles. Um, I know the Friar fans would like to see Rick Barnes make make a run to the final four. It'd be fun. You're, Get uh, Tennessee, Providence, Iona, and uh, you can pick the fourth. <laughs> Gonzaga, how's that? There you go, Mark Few. There you go. We can get him back. Thanks to former Friar coach and ESPN analyst Tim Welsh for joining us. Who's got next? It's the final day of regular season play, and it's going to mean a lot for next week. That's next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. Who's got next this week in the Big East? Catch and shoot the other end. Colbert got another three. Happy senior night. Tariq Colbert, five for seven from beyond the arc. And it's an eight-point game. John Rook, Kevin McNamara, this week in the Big East. One final day, one final Saturday with five games, 10 of the 11 teams playing this weekend. And Kevin, every one of them is going to have an effect on what the bracket, of course, will look like next week at Madison Square Garden. No question about it, John. I think the Providence Friars as the number one seed and the one team has to have a bye in an 11-team league. They're just going to sit and watch the craziness because to see it unfold and see what actually shakes out in New York, I know you're going to break it down right now. Well, yeah, Villanova is the two seed. They will close uh, away at Butler on Saturday afternoon uh, in the first game of, of the five that will be played. What, a game that will certainly have a ton of meaning. Seton Hall will play at Creighton in a 2.30 tip on Saturday. And, of course, both teams are trying to maneuver for position. But right now, Creighton looks like if they can hold home floor, they've got the upper hand on the three seed, Kev. Yeah, Creighton swept Connecticut. So with a win over Seton Hall, they will be the three seed. But big game for Seton Hall, too. They're still playing for one of the very valuable five buys. That's correct. The top five teams do not have to play on the first round Wednesday and would advance straight into the quarterfinals on Thursday. DePaul, as we just spoke with the Javon Freeman Liberty a few minutes ago, they're going to try to make it four wins in a row in league play, but they got a tough place to go to in Gamble Pavilion and stores. And UConn stumbled a bit. UConn needs to win to still have a shot at the three seed. UConn needs to get its confidence back. You know, obviously difficult place to win out at Creighton. But again, DePaul, Freeman Liberty, no easy game there. Georgetown will play at Xavier. We talked a little bit earlier about Xavier's chances. They just need to win, period. And then St. John's will play at Marquette. Marquette has the inside track for that final bye and moving straight into Thursday's games. St. John's is an interesting team, John. I, st I still think they can steal a bid. They might have to get to the Big East semifinals. Uh, at, at Marquette in the last game of the regular season, if you can grab that one, even helps your case even more. So watch out for Champagny, Pasha Alexander, 
and St. John's. Yeah, that's the final game on Saturday night, of course, uh, 9 o'clock tip. So, yeah, you're right. St. John's got 16 wins. If they could win, if they beat Marquette and then go win two games or at least one and maybe two uh, in New York, yeah, I would say that could be a bid steal right there. Well, there's no question because, you know, their second game could, could come up against a, you know, a very high seed, whether it's, whether it's Villanova, whether it's uh, Creighton, you know, not Providence, but it'll be an interesting test for sure. Hey, our thanks to DePaul's Javon Freeman Liberty, Biggie's Commissioner Val Ackerman, and ESPN's Tim Welsh for joining us. Thanks to all of our flagship radio stations for their broadcast and their highlight assistance. Our thanks to producer Kevin Collins, executive producers John Paquette, Rick Gentile, and Kevin Ivany at the Big East. Thanks to all of our coaches and administrators at the 11 member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. You can find us on Twitter at JR Broadcaster at Kevin McNamara 33. If you've got questions, you can always use the hashtag TWITBE, TWITBE. And we will put the wrap on our season series from the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden, same time next week. For This Week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.